website. Oh, under their, under their coming out of their shells tour uh, T-shirt. Right nice. Now. It's not. It's a reprint. It's not a. It's not the original, but it. It should be the original. <laughs> I wasn't a chubby kid, so it wouldn't fit me now. It'd be like on my arm. So. <laughs> I feel that way. I still have all my old band shirts, and they're all way, way, way too small for me. But now I'm like two or three years out from my oldest kid being able to wear them. So I still can't make myself throw them out. I'm like, my kid will want to wear these in a couple of years. He'll be able to wear these small and extra small t-shirts. <laughs> and if he doesn't, you'll force him to. <laughs> That's right. Well, if he does, if my kids don't, my backup plan is to, I want to have them all put into like a quilt. Have you seen those t-shirt quilts? Yeah. yeah. I want to do that with all my old band shirts. I've got tons of them. I've got local bands and, and, and uh, uh, non-local bands, but I mean, I've just got two tubs of nothing but band t-shirts, and if nothing else, that's what I was going to do, is just have them uh, made into a quilt. Yeah, I have so, several tubs of medium shirts that... So, and there's a, I think there's a couple uh, Stereo Addiction shirts in there still, too, Danny. So why would you have a couple? <laughs> um, I think I think you printed more than one. That I think there's, like, I have an album art one, and then I have one that has, like, speakers on it. Oh, we had one with Rhino, a weird Rhino and speakers. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. I found a Strength in Numbers t-shirt going through there the other day. Oh. Strength in Numbers? I it sounds familiar. I can't place it, though. They were from Adrian, right? So you, uh, no, they, well, they were from, like, Brooklyn. Uh, and they played mostly around the Jackson scene, but they became, um, shit, Burn the Ships. Oh. Yes. Is that the ship? Maddie? Or not mad. It's the guys yeah. from Burn the Ships. So Keenan, the singer from Burn the Ships, Dustin, the bass player, and Kyle wasn't in Burn the Ships. But Kyle and Keenan were brothers, and they, that was strength in numbers. Kyle and Keenan Smith and Dustin, before Burn the Ships, they were strength in numbers. And so that was the first local band that I was introduced to in 10th grade because they would play like Onstead house parties. But like, ask Will Blatman. Will Blatman was yeah, really good I was friends just with the say, guys. Will's friends with them. Numbers. Yeah, yeah, Danny, exactly. You played, you played with them. In Michigan, at a bar in Michigan Center, I remember this. Because I, I only remember <laughs> it because it was like Will's friends' band and your band were playing together. It was cool. So, do you, do you guys remember um, the the uh, what was it called? The Blue Room in Napoleon. Yes, I think it, it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Strength and Numbers play there a lot. I saw uh, I saw Justin Davis's band play there like my freshman year. So. Oh yeah. Um, what was Justin Davis's band? My Dying yeah, Wish. My Dying yes. Wish, yes, that's exactly right. Um, have you guys seen the stuff about this uh, documentary that's going to happen with about the about the Linaway County scene? No. no. <laughs> yeah, there's a documentary. So my buddy Chris Mominy, his now I guess now ex girlfriend. She is she's from Adrian, but she's a few years younger than us, so she never really got to be involved in the heyday of this team. But she's now a senior at U of M, and her senior project for her degree in videography is a documentary on the Linaway County scene. So she's been she's been we've already the injured list has been interviewed. Vigil, I know she's setting up Hearts Bleed Black. Um, oh, she's been trying to, she's been trying to get uh, what this my soul. Um, Go to the lost scene on Facebook. It's called the lost scene. They even have a trailer on there. She's, you know, as angels more and a whole bunch of bands. And uh, she's, you know, interviewing them and interviewing people who used to go to shows, collecting show posters. She's doing a whole full fledged documentary on the Adrian Lenaway scene. It's called the lost scene. And uh, I'm sure if you search it, you'll have friends that have already found the page, but it's, it's pretty cool. And we, like we did our interview a couple months ago 
And um, and we gave them band names. I know we told them about stereo addiction. I don't know because she's younger. She doesn't have the kind of networking that a lot of us have. Where so we've had to put her in touch. I just happened to run into Kenny at Frickers, and and I was like, oh, we were just talking about Hearts Bleed Black. I need your number to give it to this girl. And and so I know she's been setting it up with Kenny uh, to get them on there too. And and I know she's at least been in touch with Marshall or Shane from This My Soul. I mean, just she's trying to connect with everybody from the old scene. Oh, I forgot about Kenny. I miss Kenny. That was the nicest guy. Dude, you know what Kenny's doing now? No. So he has a he has a um, a YouTube channel where he interviews celebrities and celebrity musicians about their uh, their very first horror movie. He, he's he's in a ho- he's a horror movie buff, and so he does what? this show about horror. Movie. Yeah, he's he's interviewed Chris Conley from Saves the Day, uh, one of the guys from Coheed and Cambria, a bunch of guys, a bunch of people from like low budget horror movies. I mean, if you go to his channel, let me find the name of it. He texted it to me after I talked to after I talked to him, and I went to his channel. He had a freaking interview with Chris Conley from Saves the Day, Kenny Sledge, doing it about Chris Conley's first uh, first horror movie. It was pretty amazing. Um, oh my god! Uh, my it's first. Cute. My, it's it's literally called my first horror movie. So if you look my first horror movie on YouTube, he sent me. This is his episode twenty one was Chris Conley from Saves the Day. I mean, I I looked at. It. I mean, he it's legit. He did uh, Eddie Reyes from Taking Back Sunday, uh, Josh Eppard from Coheed and Cambria. So I mean, he's you know, like interviewing legit people for his YouTube channel. Holy crap, that's awesome. Hey, this should be a nice little. We should introduce you because a lot of this we can use for the podcast. <laughs> Well, okay. I, I started yeah. recording, and I, I was, was gonna hoping say this, you did. This, uh, this, <laughs> this whole piece, I was going to say, Danny, I was going to let you uh, steer the ship today because it, everything that you guys just said, I feel like it makes more sense for. Or I mean, I'm I'm going to talk, obviously, but I, you know, I'm going to let you uh, helm. So this is our first interview episode where we get to interview someone awesome in the music scene in some way, and today we are interviewing. Who are you? I'm Nathan Marks. Uh, I've been in a, a few bands around the scene since pretty much since I moved to Linaway County in 2004. And uh, my, my main band has been The Injured List, and that's the band I'm still uh, active with. And, um, but, I'm, but I've been, uh, been around for a long time and, and you know, obviously know you guys from various channels. So it's great to be here and great to be talking with you. What is I feel like that? it I, I feel ahead. like it needs to be stated, though, that like. I feel like the injured list what was and it I I I can't say is because I haven't lived in Lenaway for a long time, but like during my time in Lenaway, you guys were a staple of the scene. Like you, I I feel like you were the most popular band in the scene, if not like the most popular, one of the most popular. I feel like a lot of people knew who you guys were. So I I appreciate that. I I I would say. I would say we're up there. I, I I'd say it's a toss up though because I mean there it, it would just depend on the time frame. I mean at, at one time you could not find a more popular band in the scene than As Angels Mourn. As Angels Mourn was the band of the Linaway County scene, um, and we were we were active around there. I would say we we might have been more active outside of Adrian for than them at at one point or another. You know we were we we played all around the state. I think by the time we stopped playing shows. We were somewhere in the neighborhood of 220, 230 shows that we'd played from 2007 to 2012. So, I mean, we we played a lot. Um, and and I, it, popularity is, is super subjective, especially in such a small scene. I, it seemed like most everybody 
liked everybody else's bands. That might not be necessarily true for people in bands, but you know, as far as what scene there was, what fan base there was, I didn't feel like there were a whole lot of like people that said, "Oh, well, I like these guys, but not these guys." It just it all felt like one cohesive fan base. Most of our fans liked As Angels Mourn and vice versa, or Vigil or Stereo Addiction or any of the other you know bands that were active during that that. 2007 to 2012 time frame when the the scene was really a big deal but i feel like if you were at those shows back then as soon as you guys started playing fall apart and everyone in the crowd <laughs> would sing along you were like okay this band is is something <laughs> i remember singing fair, along those are fall the apart words, those are the only words anybody knew to any of our songs i knew this would happen everybody knew that i <laughs> I was trying to dig it out somewhere, but I still own There's Always Next Year somewhere in the basement, the CD. But I, I can't find it anywhere. But let's, uh, so your band's interesting because between like you release an album and then 2008 to 2018, nothing. And then you release an album, then 2018 to 2020, nothing. But like you come out and you do like two albums each time. You're, you're, album and then your b-sides album <laughs> what started right. that by the way so what happened was so yeah we we got together in 2007 we rehashed a few songs from my previous band which was silhouettes of something strange and um we started putting together a record and that got finished in 2008 and we recorded that album plus or minus you know three or four songs each album session we've gone through we've always had b-sides that we just didn't fit on the album. We didn't like it for one reason or another. It never got finished. But um, really what happened was we started doing a, a double album. That was our initial plan there uh, starting 2009 and on where we were recording 22 songs for two 11-song albums. And we actually did demo every single one of those songs in some form or fashion. Some were more complete than others. Um, but then... Uh, Late 2010, early 2011, uh, Ashton, who does all our recording and is our drummer, uh, his hard drive completely fried. We lost all the sessions. Um, we had we had mix downs of several songs that were in various forms of of completion, but but we weren't able to actually recover the files where we would be able to have it fully cohesively mixed and mastered. And it was a whole big. It was a whole big thing. <laughs> we lost that album. We, we were trying to figure right in the middle, trying to figure out what we were going to do with that. Was around the time the guys were graduating from college. Uh, James wanted to move to New Zealand, and Ashton then got a job running sound on a cruise ship for a cruise line. And so he left, and he was still trying to figure out how to get this album recovered. He sent it to multiple specialists to try and pull these files off. Never really got very far with them. Um, but so then the band continued without Ashton. We brought in our friend Dylan. We brought in another one of our four. Our, I don't know. We've had a lot of, um, not a ton of turnaround in the band, but we've had a lot of guys that like they leave and then they come back and then they leave and then they come back. Um, but we, but we, we still, we've had, I think there's six of us that have made at least one appearance on every single album. So, I mean, there's still consistency despite guys dropping in and out. We're still all close uh, and still actively involved. But anyway, so um after everybody had graduated from college was moving on the band kind of just stopped in around 2013 and i moved to oklahoma and then i came back and we decided well we've still got these mixes that were never finalized 
but they sound okay. Let's go ahead and release the 10 best songs of that 22 that we had, and let's put it out there. We want to have these songs out there. It's been it's been nearly a decade now. We might as well get them out there. So we released those 10, and then there were three or four more that we liked that were okay that we threw in with a couple of other B-sides. We had some Christmas songs that we did. We had some cover songs that we did. We put that all together for our first B-sides collection. And so in 2018, we put out those two releases. And um, then from that point on, we started recording a third album. And it just, you know, with with our jobs, with our lives, it just took a really long time. But from 2018 on, we have been active, even though we didn't release anything in 2019. We spent that whole year recording. Uh, Ashton now tours full-time as a sound guy for various bands. His main band is Disturbed, but he also tours with um, Black Veil Brides and Black Label Society and uh, uh, what is that? Steel Panther. Steel Panther <laughs> of all bands. His uh, raster is amazing. A whole year where he worked with, oh, it is. He worked for a whole year with Fifth Harmony. Uh, he got to go do a one-off uh, holiday concert with Savage Garden of all bands. What? I mean, just that's wild. Yes, Savage Garden. It's crazy. Um, so anyway, so between his touring schedule, that really, you know, made it difficult to record a lot. But we eventually we got enough songs done for our third album. And we still had songs left over from that session. We had seven or eight songs left still from the double album. And, and we just still had Blether or B-sides plenty so we narrowed it down to 20 songs that or 20 recordings that we felt like were okay we ended up re-recording four or five of those b-sides because the sessions were just not the final mix downs we had were just so incomplete from uh that lost hard drive that we just felt all right well we'll just start it from scratch so it was kind of surreal to be re-recording these songs from 2009 there was a song that i wrote when i was 16 that we re-recorded for this collection um it was Which just one? it's weird to be singing uh, move on move on was a song i wrote when i was 16 years old and i re-recorded it as a 31 year old so that was kind of kind of weird um, can i can i ask but, if uh, the two uh dorm room demos are actually recorded in adrian college dorms they are they were recorded ah. at the basement of stevens hall stevens hall 2007 will and i uh recorded those in the basement at like two or three in the morning we had these songs we've been jamming on them and he got he pulled out his uh his laptop and um and we recorded those on his macbook and and so yeah those were recorded in in an adrian college dorm room um there's a second one that'll be on this um on this on this next collection that'll come out at the end of the month uh for finally here and the one untitled that was one in his dorm room and then the uh the acoustic version of a for almost we recorded that in theta chi uh, in Adrian at the theta chi house so i mean it wasn't technically a dorm room but it was it was a dorm room where six dudes lived <laughs> on yeah. campus at Adrian College. So essentially a dorm room demo. I wanted to know, yeah, thanks Danny for, because uh, I, I, I was like, I put in our, our little notes. I was like, just out of my stone, stupid curiosity, like what buildings were they recorded in? Just because I wanted to be like, oh, I live there. Or, oh, I know where that is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, all the piano that you've heard on any of our albums, other than a couple of the more recent ones, were all we did all of our final recording piano sessions either in the chapel at Adrian College or a Dawson Auditorium. So the first two albums, we did all the record all the piano in uh, in the chapel, and then for this most recent album, we my wife was working for the Adrian Symphony Orchestra, so we got a we got access to their really really nice piano in the middle of Dawson. So we got to uh, so we got to use the the stage there in Dawson Auditorium. This is last summer. And uh, we recorded 
piano there and then we did gang vocals um there we called five or six of our friends to come and and yell into the microphones and got weird looks from active college kids what are these old guys doing here shouting at each other in the stage it was it was kind of funny but um but yeah so Hugh, the band will always be intrinsically tied to Adrian College. Um, you know, three of us graduated from there, and um, and we we played so many shows on campus and around campus, and made forged a lot of relationships uh, that have really shaped our lives just from being a part of Adrian College and and our band being tied to that. Our very first show was in um, Tobias Room, and um, I, I love playing the Tobias Room. Some of our very best shows were. We're at the Tobias room. So yeah, just, just great memories associated with the band in Adrian college. Very cool. Well, what would you consider some of your influences when writing music? Not, I mean, yeah, just writing music. So it's funny you ask that. I, um, here, I, so I moved a few months ago. I'm still going through stuff and I decided to go through my giant, I'm sure you guys can relate to this from the early thousands, ending up with copious disgusting ridiculous amount of burned cds right do you guys yep. just have a okay so i found one of my stacks check this out and i've been going through it one by one and listening to what the hell i recorded but look at this oh dang this all burned cds from 2002 Christmas. to 2010 or so and so i was going through them and i found some demos from my very very first band songs that i don't remember at all uh my very first band was called a day for deceit and we all went to onstead and we were starting to record the seven song ep before we broke up um one of the bands i mentioned earlier burn the ships adam from burn the ships he was in that band with me we were in our each other's first band um but uh so i'm listening to that and i'm like god I'm trying so hard to sound like Ace Enders from the early November. I just wore that influence on my sleeve so badly. The early November, I can make a mess like nobody's business. Ace Enders was like the guy for me, especially in high school. I'd say him and uh, and Aaron Marsh from Copeland. I was really into that soft, pretty sounding pop rock emo, whatever you want to sound with the, you know, the... Uh, I don't know, they, they have a particular type of vocal style, and so I really tried to emulate them early on in my songwriting and in my singing. Um, my wife, who had never listened to Ascenders before, we knew each other. Once I started playing the early November for her, she's like, especially when she she is familiar with the Angela, she's like, yeah, you try really hard to sound like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally true. I've, I've, you know, I for whatever reason, I've gravitated toward uh, Ascenders style of music. But uh, as I've gotten older, it really varies just kind of what I'm into at the time. I mean, I'm, I've always been a big Taking Back Sunday fan, uh, big Saves the Day fan. Um, you know, it, it, I try to have a good amount of variety within my songwriting. And so I think there's a, a pretty wide variety of of, of influences. Um, lately, I listen to bands that don't sound anything like what I record uh, I've only bought three records this year. I bought uh, a, a B-side collection from a band called Garrison. I don't know if you guys know Garrison. They were on Revelation Records in the 90s. Uh, and then I bought Chamberlain's new record. And they were they were a Doghouse Records band in the 90s. And then I bought the Casket Lottery's new album. And all the three of these bands were much more like uh, 90s emo, post-hardcore bands. Bands that don't sound anything like my band. So 
it's hard to call them influences because I'm not trying to make music like them, but that's mostly what I listen to now. Almost all the bands I listen to now are from the 90s and early thousands. When I discover a new band now, it's it's a band from that era. You know, I, I, I'm not, it's not like it was in the old days when I could find a dozen new bands a day on pure volume. And, uh, and just, and that's a lot of what I found on these old mix CDs too, were just bands that I, I don't even know the name of anymore. And I would try to Shazam them and Shazam's like, I don't know who these people are either. I, <laughs> I have all these demos that I, that I ripped off of, uh, pure volume back in the day. And I have no idea who they are. I actually thought about starting a, a YouTube channel that says, can you identify this band? And I'll play a, a song or I'll put a song out there from a band, I, uh, a recording I stole from pure volume in the early thousands and see if, if somebody can get figure out who they are, because I can't. Uh oh. I'll Google lyrics, and I can have no idea who these bands are. <laughs> Let's talk about this new B sides you just dropped a little bit. First off, I want to say I think okay. novelty is hauntingly beautiful, and probably should have been on a real album. That's my opinion. <laughs> to to play on that twice here, I I I think anyone so, um, admittedly like. People shouldn't be like me. I've kind of slept on the injured list. I I'm not like super familiar with um, your music like prior to uh, like knew, knew a couple songs and seen you guys play, but never like I was very I was very focused um, when I was in school and kind of like um, this is what I like and I'm not listening to anything new and and so but I I can say I say that. Every every song on this B side collection, I'm like, if these are the B sides, like, th- what are the like? How awesome are the A side songs? Like the uh, <laughs> I I I've been like jamming obviously like since since you gave us the tracks a couple weeks ago. I've been I've been jamming these on my my walks, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm this I'm like I I need to I le- need to let Nathan know. Like I need to apologize to Nathan for not <laughs> being familiar before this. I mean just identifying with like lyrics and your your ear for melody like your melodies are good like you, your your vocals are are great and you were talking about like trying to sound like other people and i feel like you have a great pop punk voice but at the same time there's a quality to your voice that i can't really identify but it makes it so you don't really s- sound too much like anyone else and I think that's a good thing because I feel like a lot of like the popular pop punk bands right now all kind of sound like newfound glory clones. And so it's like, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Some- my, my opinion on it though, is I feel like all these new pop punk bands subscribe to the, I call it the, um, the vocal school of Kenny Vasoli. They all want to be the starting line. So yes. bad. And they're never going to be the starting line. <laughs> I love the starting line though. <laughs> <laughs> Well, also, I, I love. Bands, all right, we all. We all yeah. I was gonna say I got too far into uh, to putting you over that I forgot what my question was in relation to novelty, but I don't know. Josh, did you listen to any of the 2018 albums? No, I'm going to now. I didn't. I wanted to be able to. After we did the Outcast one, and I didn't have enough opinions on songs, I wanted to make sure I was like fully yeah. prepared for this um and so i've just i've basically just been listening to this b-side album and one other song that we'll talk about later um i haven't the- listened to it either like i i listened to both your albums this year i think you posted something about your first release on facebook and i listened to it and i was like this is good and then the b-sides of course i've been listening to a lot because we were going to interview you 
But I still, sure. I need to pick up the, or I need to listen to the two 2018 albums because I haven't, I don't know anything from those. Do you have a yeah, favorite though, song from this current era? From this current era, ah, uh, um, so uh, from the new album that just came out uh, earlier this year. I think my favorite song on that album is is the right thing, which I put the the piano version of that is on the B sides collection, and that was that's how I originally did it. That's that's how an injured list song is made. That's kind of why we put it on there. So I write a song, and I'll record it on either piano. Now it's pretty much all piano. Back in the day, I still used to write songs on bass, and I would record myself playing the song to a click track. And then Ashton would add drums and the guitars would be added. Everything would be built around that. So that that piano version of the right thing, that was an original. That's that's how that song was made. I recorded that live to a click track. Later on, I added a backup vocal track um, like when we decided we were going to release this. But that that song is one of my favorite ones. And I think the way that it turned out on the the, the actual album itself, the right thing, it just turned out really really um well it's got a lot of cool background vocal parts of, of all the songs on that album that's the one i return to most frequently and now what i spend the most is i spend my time re-listening to the new stuff we're recording so we're recording a new album now we've got five songs that are pretty much completely done and so i'm often listening to those listening for oh we need to uh we need to tweak that need to change that need to turn it up or that so those aren't songs that really anybody has heard yet but as far as like Anything released in 2020, the right thing is, as I think my um, my favorite one, and that was a song that we that I wrote back in 2011 or 12, and we used to play that live in the final incarnation of the band. Um, but as far as how all recordings turned out, I think that one turned out turned out the best. Um, as far as from the the collection of songs that just came out, I would say uh, I really like how how move on turned out like i said i i felt a little funny singing 16 year old nathan's lyrics um but it turned out okay <laughs> and um uh and adrian generica I, I i that song has just been kind of a joke that's like the fourth or fifth version of that song we have so uh that's our song I about adrian song. I'm you love that song good <laughs> yeah and i don't i don't have like the i don't have the like you know obviously like you lived in lenaway like pre-college but i i lived there like college freshman until i lived there for 10 years so starting when i moved to go to college and then met a girl got married stayed there and then didn't like moved away moved in with danny after i got divorced but so um and i totally understood like the whole like uh, i just want to get out of this town especially like i came from like a bigger place so then moving to a small town i was just like and that early era of Adrian where like nothing is open except for uh morning fresh, fresh bakery and Tim Hortons and, yeah. uh, and the Taco Bell, you know, I was just like, like I'm yeah. listening to, I was like Walmart at 2 AM. And then you said the Taco Bell line. And I was like, Oh my God, this song. I <laughs> it personifies yep. our college experience. Okay. And, and Josh, I'm glad you brought it up. So there is a distinct inside joke in that song that only a person who attended Adrian College around 2007 to 2009 would understand in any capacity. Do you do you know what reference I'm referring to? Well, as the 2007 Adrian College homecoming king. Um, 
Wow. Wow. Uh, really, he, I really had should... I had to I had, like I had oh, to say cool. that. Um, <laughs> <Yes>, you did. <laughs> uh, once you say it, like once I'm I can't think at, in this moment, but um, I'll give I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a okay. hint. All right. So our bass player ties into his name Steve Ayer, and he tied into that, and he he's a member of SAE. Do you remember what SAE did to that got a whole bunch of them in big trouble? Uh. I remember the time the whole house got scabies. Um, <laughs> um, well, so the, the line is maybe it's getting kicked out of school for painting a statue. They I statue. got the thinker. Oh. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I totally remember. I, you know, I don't, I don't think I, I think I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. Never mind. Yes. No, it wasn't. So it wasn't SAE. They got scabies. It was FICAP, but <laughs> tomato. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, that makes um, sense. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's wild. I totally forgot about that until you. Yeah. Um, well, Ayers, Ayers was one of them. He got kicked out of school for painting a statue. So when we're talking about, well, what kind of what kind of crap do you do in Adrian when you're bored? Well, you get drunk and you paint a statue and you get kicked out of school. So we we had to put that into the song. And then um, the other the one addition to this version compared to the previous, like I think I've got three previous versions of that song. Um, the one addition we had to make was let's go to Frickers, which I love Frickers and I, I, I can't believe it hadn't been in there previously, but especially within the scene, this Frickers became a, a staple in that, like after every show, there was an after party at Frickers just all the time. Usually, usually spearheaded by the guys in As Angels Mourn, but you go in there and there'd be like 30 to 45 people who were just at the 4-H show it all went to Frickers afterward. I mean, it just became an intrinsic part of um, the Lenaway County scene experience. So when uh, when we threw that in, let's go to Frickers, uh, we just it felt so appropriate because uh, that's one of the only things to do in Adrian. <laughs> the cultural institution. I think I went there every Tuesday for like several years after it opened so oh, yeah which is which is another place i'm sure you and i have run into each other a thousand times because i i did the same thing from the time it opened when i was a sophomore in high school until i moved away i was always going to frickers tuesday night at frickers was i mean it was the scene mecca it really was uh when there wasn't a show if you wanted to find scene people you're gonna find them at frickers or morning fresh oh morning fresh all right let's talk about the future of the injured list all so right. you have another B-side you said coming out this year or something dropping this year? Yeah. So, so like I said, we ended up with so many songs left over from the double album and even the B-sides from that. And then uh, the B-sides from this newest record and from our first record that we just we had so many. And we're like, we should just put these out there. You know, may, not everybody's going to really like them because they're they're deep cuts. But as you guys have found some that you like, that's kind of what we're hoping. We'll find that we're hoping people find some diamonds in the rough songs that take them back to that time period, especially the ones that were recorded in that time period and not even re-recorded. Um, so yeah, we've got uh, we've got a release coming out here next to talk about. But then at the end of the month, another ten song um, B side collection which has, let me see, I'm looking at the track list. So two of these songs were B-sides from our very first album. Uh, we have another dorm room, actually two more dorm room sessions. Um, and then three re-recorded 
sorry, four re-recorded songs that were supposed to be on the second album or the double album that we just we couldn't recover these sessions well enough where they sounded okay. The versions we have sounded awful, so we re-recorded four of them. And um, and then there's a, a song that I really like that I'm excited to have out there. It's a um, it's an acapella version of uh, a song called Visit My Grave. We call it Visit My Grave Reprive. We, we did an acoustic version on this most recent uh, B-Side collection. The third album has the full band song on it, which my I, that's probably my second favorite song. I from like the that newest song. Record because, uh, you, do you know who plays bass on that song? No. It's Matt Rubano from Taking Back Sunday is the bass what? player on that Take Matt Rubano from Taking Back Sunday played bass on Visit My Grave and Last Night from our from our third album that came out earlier this year. So Will, our guitar player that I mentioned, he makes guitars in um, in New York. He lives in New York. He works for Fodera Guitars. He makes them now. But uh, he's made some connections out there. He's actually ended up teching for Matt Rubano on a couple times. So he... He was like, we set this song for Will to record. He's like, you know, I want to do some bass, but I think I could get Matt Rubano to do this. And we're like, if you could get Matt Rubano, you got to do it. And he did it. That's and awesome. So Matt Rubano's on two injured list songs. Um, and then we have another guest on another song. Uh, our, we have a guest vocalist on a song called To Hell. And uh, he's my favorite. He's a singer from my favorite band of all time, Limbeck. Uh, Rob McLean from Limbeck sang... Uh, guest vocals on our on our song and uh and that was pretty amazing uh for this last album i don't know if we're gonna have any really cool special guests this time around but uh we've been talking about how to how to arrange that because ash one another band ashton has worked with he's worked with dashboard confessional and we thought it would be really cool oh. to be able to get chris Carab to do a guest vocal and uh he put it out there at one point and got kind of like uh i don't know we'll see and it, it never came to fruition but i think if i if he could push his contact, maybe maybe we could get Chris Caraba to do a guest vocal spot or or find somebody else. I uh, I asked Mark Rose from Spitalfield if he would do one, and he he very graciously declined. He said he liked the song, but he typically only does guest vocals on songs that he works on. Like so, he does production work now and mixing work and things like that. And so he said, I pretty much only do guest vocals for songs I'm working on. Um, but he's been very he's a very nice guy. Um, but then I reached out to Rob McLean on, on from Limbeck, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And he did it in his garage, and God, it was awesome. It, I my very first show was in eighth grade. It was the All American Rejects, and Limbeck opened for him. And uh, and I had their CD from a, a Doghouse Records sampler, and that's all. I mean, I just love Limbeck for years. I think I have six or seven Limbeck shirts upstairs. Uh, I had two Limbeck bumper stickers on my car for years. Um, just, just love Limbeck. So having him sing on our album this year was really surreal. That's, That's a cool awesome. full circle moment. Yeah. So, so let's uh, let's have you introduce the song we want to premiere today. Okay. Tell us about it. So uh, we, uh, in the years past, we recorded two original Christmas songs. And I decided this year that I wanted to do another one. So I actually wrote a Christmas in... It's like April or May. <laughs> and then I, I laid it down for Ashton in July. And then it, it got completed here at the end of November. And so it's a new Christmas song. It's called One More Christmas. And um, it's one that I wrote. I had I had like a vision in mind. If, if we were a band that, was, that had the capability of doing music videos like a lot of bands do, I, I, I had this video in my head where uh, I would hijack the christmas experience 
from my kids and that I would go in and rush into the, the living room with all the presents with my pajamas on and I would open all the presents and I'd throw all the wrapping paper everywhere and my kids would sit there looking really disappointed. <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but like just reliving that Christmas experience, that thrill, that that rush that you got as a kid when you came downstairs and saw all those presents there or just the whole uh, ethereal experience of Christmas in general, the holiday season, you know, seeing relatives that you only see once a year, uh, there's special stuff on TV you can't see throughout the year. Uh, just that whole, it, you know, for me, I guess, quintessential 90s Christmas experience. You know, that that's what I wanted to, I wish I could feel that again in 2020, wish I could feel like a kid. And that's kind of what the song is about. It's called One More Christmas. Uh, let's just have one more Christmas like the one we used to know. I mean, that's 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 what I wrote about. I'm always a very nostalgic person. And, and so I wrote my nostalgic Christmas song and uh, and uh, Will did a great job on the on the guitarist. At one point he was going to do a um, someone gave him a flugelhorn. Ooh. A flugelhorn of all things. So he was recording a flugelhorn part, and it didn't quite pan out the way he wanted. So he ended up recording those on guitar. But it would have been really cool to have a flugelhorn on the song. And then um, Ashton, as always, did a great job mixing. And he that's his second time with providing backup vocals. He provides the background vocals in the chorus and the woes in the bridge. And that's something that's really kind of come full circle for Ash for Ashton. When we started this band in 2007, no way in hell he ever would have done anything vocally. Uh, but on this earlier this year, he did some backup vocals and he did a good job with them. And I've been trying to encourage him. And and uh, he came up with this idea and he recorded it and I loved it. And then he sent me a demo and I came up with a part and I'm like, Ashton, I'm going to send you this and I want you to record this vocal part. And he did it and he killed it and it, and it came it came together great, and uh, I'm glad you guys like it. We uh, the we sent it to WLEN, one of the radio stations there in Adrian, and they're gonna add it to their holiday rotation, which is cool. Um, and then there's a there's a punk emo post hardcore blog website, whatever you want to call it, called the Aging Scene Kid, which I'm sure none of us can relate to being an aging scene kid. Um, not at all. But they're <laughs> they're gonna be putting it on their website here in a couple of days too. Um, so that'll be, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, so that's, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's my son. Well, here's the entered list. One more Christmas.
cookies The time is cousins The movies only broadcast once a year The things we went and took for granted And just like that the magic disappeared So I just wanted to say about the, your Christmas song, though. Um, the chorus is super catchy. I've had it in my head all uh, all week, and um, I really identify like as a uh, recently thirty five year old person who's been struggling with uh, like uh, being a little too childish and having people judge me for that. I I feel like um, I really identify with the uh, the message that you're trying to convey in the song. So. The first night I listened to it, my wife cried. Oh wow! Well, that I mean that's that that's that's really what I was going. Like I said, it was it was a nostalgic thing, and I, I feel the same way. Like I don't I don't want to feel shamed for wanting to relive my childhood or 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 love childhood based things. You know, I I, I love that stuff so much. I mean, my favorite line of that is, "You're only too old if you're too hung up on what other old people say." Yes, it's just like you exactly. know, don't worry about what what they think. Just just do your thing. Do what makes you happy. Let Christmas make you happy. That's that's what matters. 
Danny, right. I have one little more. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. You're, try, you're trying to be professional, and I'm just like, hey, I want to say another thing. No, um, it's fine. <laughs> I have one other little funny connective tissue thing that I wanted to make that sure I mentioned. real gross. No, no, no. <laughs> so <laughs> Will, who's in, Will, who's in the band, um, yep. is also the same person who sold us, us our first microphone for podcasting back when we started Nerd Life Productions. What? Oh, yeah, because wow. he yeah well he was working at Guitar Center then and we bought a Blue Yeti out of the yeah. case and we walked in and we were like Will like so I feel bad yeah. that I don't know the rest of the injured list I know Nathan quite well and then I I know Ashton but I really well, don't that's know funny because I know Steve and Will so it's like you know <laughs> yeah you know you know the Adrian College guys yeah I yeah, yeah. I remember Will's Guitar Center days and and um, uh, yeah Will's a great guy and that, that that's a cool kind of at now from there too you know. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's and he's yeah he's recording. He's going to be kind of the primary guitarist for this newest out, the new album we're working on. He's got, we've got fifteen tracks, and I think he's doing lead guitar for eight of those. And so he's for the first time he'll be the like primary focused guitar player on this record in ways that he hasn't because he he helped me form the band and then he kind of fell away. He did a he did a saxophone solo on our first album. Um, and, uh, and then he came back into the fold, played with the band for another couple years later on. And so he's got some parts on the second album and, um, and then, you know, a few more songs on the third album, but this fourth album now, there'll be a lot more will, uh, and, and he just, he does a great job. He's got such a great ear for melody. He's, he's more classically trained than the rest of us. You know, Ashton and James are metal kids and I'm a pop punk kid and at will likes his pop punk. Don't get me wrong, but he's also a very profession proficient jazz and classical guitar player so he really adds a different element to to our music and i think you can tell a distinct difference between the songs that he plays guitar on and 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 songs from our other guitar players they they just they have their own distinctive styles all right so next we're going to do the guest mix a quick fire i'm going to ask you to make a mix basically by me asking you questions and you reveal a song that is important in this way you ready <laughs> All right, all right. I prepared you. I sent you these. <laughs> I was say, yeah, 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 okay. And I wrote them all down. It took me a while. It was hard. It was hard work, but I. Oh, it's I, hard doing I, this. I'm glad to know it that is. you put some thought into it, though. That's that's. Um, yeah, I don't ever to want me. to do this to someone on the podcast just on the spot because then we'd be sitting here for like 20 minutes, like. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, there's there's no way. This this took me days of like, okay, no, I'm gonna change this song out with this one and this one. It, 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 my wife was so annoyed with me, especially one question in particular. <laughs> I harped on for days and I'm just like out of nowhere I'd just be like honey what do I answer this one with she gets so mad at me <laughs> well that's a good segue to the first one what's your favorite love song I went with uh, Question by the old 97s oh what's your go to angry song Do Yourself a Favor by Comeback Kid ooh I love Comeback Kid what song that or what's a song that influenced you the most growing up or just all right that one was hard i i had to give a double answer there were there were really two so i hope that's okay i went with yep. the middle by jim world and ever so sweet by the early november Ooh. Good. all right uh what's your current favorite song so like i said currently i, I for music i tend to go backwards 
so this song was the one that hung me up. I was like, am I supposed to pick a song that's current or just what is my current favorite song? That, that uh, That's what bugged me. So the song I've listened to most, according to my computer, the last few weeks is How Long Is Too Long by the Get Up Kids. Nice. Uh, what's the <laughs> song that makes you get up and fucking dance? Into Your Veins by Five Iron Frenzy. Ooh, some sky. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> What's the most unexpected song on your playlist? Ooh, unexpected song. I think I forgot that one. Um, so <laughs> I have a, uh, I have a, um, a weak spot because, and, and my my excuse for this is that I grew up in Oklahoma. I have a weak spot for for some '90s country, and uh, so I, I do have a good amount of of Tim McGraw. On my on my <laughs> iPod, so I'm gonna go with "Please Remember Me" by Tim McGraw. I don't think people would necessarily expect that from me, but I come by it honestly. <laughs> and that that question is on there because we don't believe in guilty pleasures, so we say, "What's the most unexpected sign?" Instead of calling it a guilty pleasure, because you're allowed to like what you that's, like. That's right. What's the lineup of your ideal heaven concert, living or dead? All right. Well, I took this one seriously because when you said uh, when you said living or dead, so I picked my the one. You know, none of these bands are around, active anymore. But these, if I could have five bands play a show for me, including bands that have deceased members, so the the bands, the easier ones would be Limbeck, which I mentioned earlier, Shotzi, and Sounds Like Violence. I don't know if you just know Sounds Like Violence, but they were an awesome Deep Elm Records day one. And then I had to pick. Uh, no use for a name. Uh, Tony Sly's death was a huge. I mean, that was just you know that and and then the the other one I, I chose John Bunch uh, from Sensefield and Further Seems Forever. He did a he did some tours as Fields Forever where he played acoustic renditions of Further Seems Forever and uh, Sensefield songs. So I said if I could have my ideal concert, I'd close it with John Bunch playing his acoustic songs from his band because I, John Bunch and Tony Sly were two huge. Um, influences to me and uh really sucks that they're gone especially no use for name well I, I can't say especially they were both still actively releasing music and and awesome music great music and uh john bunch did an album a couple of years ago called war generation oh dude what a great great album and uh and no use for a name has always put out great you know skate punk since early 90s and i love no use for a name me too whoop, whoop. So, let's do that that's my concert yeah <laughs> Great job. That was the guest mix by Nathan Marks. <laughs> All right, so let's get into our holiday Christmas list. Did you each pick five songs? Yes. I made a... I wasn't sure how many it was. So I made a playlist of all my favorite holiday songs. I do know number one for... Well, I know two for sure, so let me pull up my list and then I'll be able to put, pick out the other three. Um, but yeah, so what we'll so do... I, we'll each name one song... Like one at a time, and then I'm gonna make this into a playlist on Spotify, and then put it up on our page so people can find it and listen to it. But first, I think nice. Josh has something to say about Christmas music. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so um, I feel like everybody in the world, I feel like people either love Christmas music or could throw it out the window. Like, and I'm I'm one of those people. I'm a I am. I'm not obnoxious. Like people can do whatever they want. But November first, listening to Christmas music. Not all, all over. But I'm okay with it. Um, but I'm all. You know, I'm also listening to my Halloween mix on September first. If that 
you know, puts it, yeah. it into context. I think some people think that Christmas music is kind of like putting on a Christmas album is kind of maybe like a lame thing. But I just I want to point out that Mariah Carey <laughs> hasn't had Word. a ton of hits in the last 10 years and hasn't I mean like her her heyday is the the 90s and the early uh 2000s and you know she all I want for Christmas is you was number 1 on the Hot 100 last year and um it's six times platinum and <laughs> the the number 1 highest selling single worldwide is White Christmas by Bing Crosby. So if you can put out a good Christmas album, you got it made. You've set stone. Or a Did good Nathan... Christmas single, I mean, not even an album. Give us your first Christmas song then, Nathan. All right, my first one is my absolute favorite favorite go-to Christmas recording is Feliz Navidad by Homegrown. Ooh, Homegrown. Yeah. All right, Josh um, so my list is very uh, on brand for me. <laughs> my uh, my my five my fifth song is uh, "Let It Snow" by Boys to Men featuring Brian McKnight. Nice. It's the first Christmas album I ever I ever got like in like nineteen ninety four or five when I was like heavy into nineties R and B and um, it's a banger. My first is, I'm, I'm sure you guys remember this, a Santa cause, the CD of yes. pop punk. Yeah. So Don't I, yeah, I <laughs> wanted to put icicles by punchline, but it's not on Spotify. Yep. That song is a jam, but I'm going to go with something corporate oh, yeah. for December. No, that was my next one. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. All right. I'll, I'll, that's all right. But no, I, I have three or four from that Santa Claus album. I had that same CD. I love that. So, um, when I know it. it's so good. Dude, it is, it is incredible. So, my, uh, my next favorite song on that one is Newfound Glory's X Miss. Ooh, yep, yep, yep. Well, I got to write these down. Josh, go ahead. All right. Um, not on that, not on that, uh, Soundtrack. album but right. but definitely could have been if it came out at that time is boxing day by blink 182 it's just yep, yep. it's a nice. great song it's probably one of the last great songs that they recorded with tom it's got tom and mark's vocals on it i love it my next song is a little out of the scene it's a classic but it's not a classic marvin gaye's purple snowflakes is a jam and one of my favorite Christmas songs. Nathan. I like it. <laughs> um, I hope this one's on Spotify because it's a great one. It's one I remember as a kid. My dad was a huge Ren and Stimpy fan. So I'm going with <laughs> Fleck the Walls from the Ren and Stimpy Christmas album. Fantastic album, but their version of Deck the Halls, Fleck the Walls, is out of this world. I'm going to try to find it, but if not, that might not be on the mix. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Okay, Josh. Me. Yep. Um, so mine is the uh, the main theme from my favorite Christmas movie, also very on brand for me as a John Williams one percenter, is the main theme from Home Alone. It's, the theme, though, that is it. I well, think the, I just, 
the Carol of the Bells, but it's the choir when he's like getting home to like set up the traps, like how intense that version is. Ooh, gives me chills. No, I know. Well, and I, I actually, when I made my list, I put the like the set up the traps, like intense music. That's the track after that. But I just feel like recognizable for everybody. I, I feel like the main theme is the way to go. And I felt like the Carol of the Bells was too much. Like if you know, you told me like nothing that's like a monster Christmas hit. So I, you know, I was trying to steer away a little bit, I guess. <laughs> so my next song is a really weird. Uh, my wife found it, and we've been jamming it for a while now. It's called "Old Fatso" by Augie Royos, and it's from 1958, and it's just about making fun of Santa for being this big old fat guy. But it's a really fun Christmas song. So I threw it on there. Nice. Uh, my next one is um, Copeland's version of Do You Hear Ooh. What I Hear. Aaron Marsh has beautiful voice in it. This is one of the most beautiful songs I think he ever did. Did you get that? I'm sure you did. The Copeland cover EP that they did all covers. Yes. Oh, oh, my no, God. No, nothing stays the same. Uh, what's a part-time lover is incredible. Just that whole EP yes. is just amazing. Oh, sorry, now I'm going to listen to Copeland after this. <laughs> As you should. Um, my second to last one is the uh, acapella version of Oh Holy Night on NSYNC's Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd pick something from NSYNC's <laughs> album. I love, I, I, you know, I just, I love, uh, it's got a five-part harmony. Like, a lot, it's just uh, Chris Kirkpatrick hits this high note that i don't know like someone must have kicked him in the nuts before he it's just it's it's and it 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 it's one of those songs that reminds everybody that even though he didn't get it uh jc was always a better singer than justin oh oh yeah my next I like song justin, i'm just saying jc was a better <laughs> justin would tell you that too my next song is also again off the santa cause it's the matches december is for cynics because I love the matches, and I love that song. Uh, mine is, uh, my next one is a little more recent uh, rendition that came out a few years ago. It's Rise Against uh, cover of Making Christmas from Nightmare Before Christmas. It's a- I'm yeah. not against that. <laughs> All right, what's your last one, Josh? All right, so my last one is one Christmas song that I'll play all year round because I feel like it's one of the best songs that this band's ever recorded, um, and it's "You'll Shoot Your Eye Out" by Fall Out Boy, which is also <laughs> on uh, the Santa Claus. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Album. I mean that album. I wish I could find it on vinyl. They should do that on oh. the Ride Records. Enjoy the Ride Records. <laughs> Enjoy the Ride. Totally do that. That would be amazing. Now the licensing for getting all those bands though would probably be super. Super difficult. And my final one is, so Bill Murray did like a Christmas special and there's a soundtrack to it. And Phoenix, the band Phoenix did a song called Alone on Christmas Day. And it's my favorite Christmas. (laughs) And I I love the band Phoenix. And also I want to throw one honorable mention is by the band Hot Dad. It's called A Taco Bell Christmas. And that'll be on the end of the mix. So everyone enjoy it because it is a jam and it is stupid. (laughs) <laughs> i'm excited to listen to this I, I i actually don't have my own spotify but my wife does so when i go upstairs or as soon as it's available i'm totally gonna out to this because this, this is this is this is a really good mix <laughs> well i want to thank you nathan for being on our podcast 
Uh, Absolutely. I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just, 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 just really enjoyed it. Really. I'm excited to hear the next group of songs that come out at the end of the month and everything else you guys do. I'm excited to get back into you. I feel bad that I have forgot about you for a long time, but I forgot about a lot of the stuff from that era. <laughs> Honestly, the, well, this, this whole thing is about reconnections. I mean, you and I, uh, you know, have uh, had kind of grown apart and doing this podcast is bringing us together. It's uh, new connect, uh, you know, remaking old connections, you know, reconnecting with people. It is. It's great. Well, you know, Danny gave me one of my favorite jobs. You know, I worked at, he hired me a hot topic uh, as a seasonal worker and that was so much fun. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I always really liked stereo addiction. There was always this funny, you know, thing with stereo addiction. I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just that Ashton and Dan didn't like each other very much, but there, but like, but I always liked, I mean, I always liked you and Danny and, and, and like the rest of the guys in the band, but they're like, I don't know. It was it, it, we it when we did this uh, documentary for the last scene, and we had to reflect on a lot of different things. Um, we even talked about that, you know, our, our relationships with other bands, and and you know, friendships within other bands, and how you know bands would be rivals or something, or, or perceived as rivals, but then like uh, have friendships within those bands. And uh, and so, like I so said, just a couple months ago, I was just reflecting on. God, stereo addiction were awesome. And I love Danny, but it, it always felt it always felt weird. I don't know. There was there was I, it, it wasn't quite to the point where, you know, as Angels Moore had these rivalries, quote unquote, with other hardcore bands. I wouldn't say there was a rivalry between us and stereo addiction, but there was some kind of, you know, we weren't as buddy buddy as we could have been. And I wish I wish now in retrospect that we had been a lot more buddy buddy than we were. And uh but but I was so I was touched that you guys asked me to let let me be involved with this. And uh, I remember when you invited me to like your page, I'm like, oh, this is exciting. I these <laughs> I, I don't listen to podcasts, but, you know, you two are people that I know. And I'm like, I, I think I would actually listen to that podcast because, uh, you know, I, I guess I care more about what you guys would have to say than I would, you know, most celebrities or other people. So, again, really pleased you guys let me do this and uh, and 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 just thank you. And a quick note on that. I don't know what it was like. I was I'm very friendly and I was always friends with every band. And I just now I'm thinking about like, I don't know why the rest of the band was not as friendly as me to everybody. And that's funny because be you real. were like the face of the band. Everybody knew you in the scene because you, you, you know, you worked a hot topic and and then you were in stereo. You know, people people knew you and you were kind of the face of the band. And, and like I said, I, you know, you and I had a great relationship but there and like I, I think it was something between at least as far as our bands go, maybe between Ashton and Dan, because you know Dan was his supervisor at CVS. Oh, and, I didn't and, know that. I'll do it. <laughs> yep, there's that, and then they then they just I I don't know, you know, different people have different opinions about I I you know I really don't know what it was, but I just I remember distinctly being like I I feel like as the only as just about the only pop punk bands around that you like stereo you and i stereo addiction in the injured list should have been you know uh thick th you know thick among thieves whatever the, the phrase is but we we should have been a lot more closer than we should have been and i i don't exactly know why we weren't many, other than how many shows did we play together i remember the adrian college one yeah and i think it's in our first show um 
Uh, didn't you? Did you guys play with us at the 4-H building too? Wait, I think um, we played with you when we were third October before I okay. left to Ann Arbor and moved back, and then we became Stereo Addiction. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I do. I do remember playing with third October too. So yeah, I mean, I I think all together we played with each other a handful of times. Um, but but yeah, there was just I don't know. I I, I really I hope you'll reach out to the Lost Scene. I hope you'll talk to Maggie and and get an interview for Stereo Addiction because I do think Stereo Addiction is a very uh, you know, w- was a legit big part of the scene. I mean, a, a top ten band in the Linaway County scene, and oh, and you guys need to have your have, you guys need to you know put your impact you know, put your input in there. Uh, and 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 Danny, you in particular, like I think you were kind of a a revered figure in the scene because everybody at the time loved Hot Topic. Hot Topic was a cool place to go. It influenced a lot of people to get their music. I've heard from tons of people that they bought their very first. CDs or first band shirts from Hot Topic, and you you know you were just kind of very strongly linked with that, and and people were intimidated by you, but I, you know, like I, I don't know, it was it was me I, standing I on the perfect. counter singing. That's what I did. It. <laughs> Danny, it's always going to come back to this, just like just like in the the Adrian Generica song. You know, there's nothing to do. Like that's this is literally Nathan. You probably don't know this, but this is literally how I met Danny. I was a I was a college freshman who was bored and was hanging out at the mall. And here's this like super awesome dude at Hot Topic um, that I I would just go in there to like, you know, bask in his, you know, (laughs) glory, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I love being able to work at Hot Topic, wear what I want and be able. You and I would listen to brand new all the time. And, yeah. you know, I, I didn't have really any other friends who knew brand new and we would just know all the words to every song on Dejan Tendu. And it was just so much, so much fun. But like I said, you were you were a figurehead in the scene, even separate from stereo addiction. I, I don't know that you realize because you are a few years older than me. I don't know that you realize the impact that you had on kids my age, even just three, four, five, six years younger than you. People knew you and respected you and and cared you know you know cared what you had to say about things i think you'd be a huge part of that documentary if you reach out to maggie and and you know tell her who you are i mean she's by by now she definitely knows who who, who dan hot topic is even if she doesn't know your last name she knows who you are and uh <laughs> and, and i'm certain she'd want to interview you and dan and anybody else from stereo addiction uh for the documentary and it's it likes if you go on that page there's even a trailer on there that shows a lot of the bands that she's interviewed and, but she's looking for more. And, and I just, I, I really hope you'll be able to do that because uh, I think that'll be a really cool thing to have a documentary about, about that huge part of our lives. Danny, that, that settles Danny. it. We need, we, we need to take this podcast recording, get it pressed on a, on a, on a single, on a vinyl single, and then like you can frame it. Okay. <laughs> this is the, maybe like a gold, a gold one. All right, guys. Let's wrap this up. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, well, before before we go, uh, Nathan, give us a uh, you know one last shot to promote all your stuff for the band. Um, you know, tell everybody about it. Um, sure. Well, um, here uh, last week we released our second B sides collection. It's called "Hit the Showers." Uh, more B team sides, um, and then here on the fifteenth we'll have a formal release of One More Christmas, our third original Christmas song. And then on December 30th, we'll have um, Fouled Out, which is our third B-side compilation. 
and then hopefully March, April could be a little bit later. Just depends on how things go. Um, we'll have our fourth album, and um, we just we had a we had an album name set for that, and now we have a new one set aside. I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have noticed we like to do the sports puns. We like to do yes. things that tie into both sports and then like relationships. You can tie them to both things. There's always next year, another season on the sidelines, uh, the difference between giving up and losing. They're all things, you know, you could tie to both things. So I just randomly a couple weeks ago came up with a new album title and the rest of the guys in the band loved it. And it's, it's funny. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you how I came up with it. It's a little, a little embarrassing, but, but funny. My, my wife, I met her at the very first intro of the show. She was dating my friend at the time. We didn't start dating till a couple years after that. Anyway, but she loved my band, had been to tons of Injurless shows, tons of Injurless t-shirts, very, very much into it. So when I finally got this most recent final mix down of One More Christmas uh, from Ashton, he sent to me on my phone. I'm like, hey, honey, she's laying right next to me. I'm like, hey, honey, do you want to hear this this new mix of, of this new Injurless song? She's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> And and I turned to her and I said, "You used to be my biggest fan." And that was it. That that's that's the new injured list album name is "You Used to Be My Biggest Fan" that's because awesome. it can be a, a sports thing in relationship. But that's how it came to be because it was just <laughs> my wife was just completely disinterested in in listening to uh, the injured list. You know, ten years after she was introduced to us. I mean, and and, and I'm I'm you know. Being a little facetious, she does like the band. She does, you know, listen to our music, but <laughs> she had zero interest in <laughs> listening to a new mix from Ashton, and it just kind of organically became the new album title. So hopefully, early 2021, you used to be my biggest fan, will come out. I knew this would happen. <laughs> <laughs> we got a song premiere and a scoop for the on the album title for the next album. You heard it here first, kids. <laughs> Nailing it. <laughs> all right danny where can where can people find you on uh on social medias you can find me at b underscore side pat <laughs> that's true I'm you've also, been killing on social media i'm also ecto cooler ghost on instagram but mostly i just run the b side pod uh instagram twitter and facebook posting a lot of vinyl pictures because it's a music podcast and I'm getting a lot of like follows, but I think it's mostly just people into the vinyl and don't are never playing at listening to the podcast. But that's fine, <laughs> whatever. You know, but those the the the, uh, the the follower numbers will matter later when we're trying to get like that, you know, manscaped commercial in our in our, <laughs> or like oh, whatever time for a manscaped commercial. <laughs> it's just it's always like there's always like. I listen to several podcasts across the spectrum and they all have like Manscaped and Magic Spoon and like all this. It's all the same people advertising on podcasts. It's wild. I really wanted to get like uh, some whiskey company to sponsor Bourbon and Blood so I could just get drinks for free. That'd be the one thing we pay for. So, but that never happens. <laughs> Where can we find you online, Nathan, if you want to be found? If you don't want to be found, don't worry about it. <laughs> No, no, I'm. I, I like people. Uh, sometimes <laughs> my <laughs> my Facebook is com slash Nathan Vaughn Marks. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Twitter, but the band does. The band does all those things, so we can find the injured list on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, all of those those fun things. But I I'm I'm pretty happy just having my Facebook account. I don't have any other social media, so <laughs> that's that's all I got. How about you, Josh? Where can we find you? 
Battle of Tanab on Instagram and Twitter. It's an obscure Star Wars reference. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. And see you next week with our top songs of 2020. Oh, we're getting to the list period of the year. I love lists. <laughs> lists are think- great. <laughs> Thank you, Nathan, for being on the podcast. Thanks, Nathan. You're welcome. All right. Talk Bye, guys. to you guys later. Bye. All right. Thanks, guys.